All right, so let's read verses 1 through 8. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in gener generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who acts, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So we see here this, this chapter in, in Romans begins a, a new portion of Romans. Up to this point, we've had doctrine. And, and notice what he doesn't start out with in Romans 12. It isn't a clarification of Romans 9, 10, and 11. They understood exactly what he was meaning in those, ver in those chapters, and, and they understood it perfectly well. It's we in, in, in Christianity today that have issues with 9, 10, and 11. Uh, that we want to debate things, and, and you've heard the debates, and, and, and there, you know, chapter 9 is very strong, God's sovereignty, and, and, and chapter 10, oh, what just happened, that's free will, and then, oh, what just happened in chapter 11, uh, in the end, Israel is going to be saved no matter what, ethnic Israel, that land, and, 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 and so there's, there's several different interpretations to all these three chapters, and, and so, but Paul here doesn't clear that up because it was pretty clear in the first place uh, whenever you go back and you and you read it and you look at it in its full context it it makes perfect beautiful sense one one has to follow the other and so we see here in, in chapter 12 Paul begins out with this this therefore now there's a couple other times he uses the word therefore in the book of Romans and, and the first time it's to to talk about the few verses that precede it. And the second time it's talk about the chapter that precedes it. And, and then in this passage, the word therefore has a very distinct purpose because he's, he's wanting to sum up and to bring into being all the first 11 chapters of, of the book. And so he's, he's talking about uh, beforehand, it, it's been condemnation. Right? Anyone studied uh, Romans 1, 2, and 3? and then walked away cheerful. Uh, no, it, it kind of hurts a little bit, right? Uh, you're reading that, and you, we, we see our sinful selves in that picture so often. But then we remember that song, Rescue the Perishing, and, and we're like, you know what? It, it took Jesus to get me. I was snatched out of the fire uh, with pity and love. And so whenever we see that, we rejoice because then Paul goes into the, the, the salvation and talks about justification. And then he goes on to sanctification and, and glorification. And so these are all beautiful things. And then he picks up 9, 10, and 11. And then he starts off in, 
in chapter 12. And what chapter 12 is starting is he says, okay, now I've taught you everything. I've, I've, I've put the doctrine out there. I've said the words, and I, I hope that you've comprehended it and you've understood it. But the question is always, when you're discipling someone or you're, you're teaching your child something or you're, you're learning something in school, uh, it's time to put uh, your, your, to the pavement, your feet to the pavement. It's time to do so. How do I do that? You know, I was in the Army and, and they could talk a lot about how to fix a Bradley fighting vehicle. But until I got a wrench in my hand and started turning wrenches and, and checking things out and seeing what was wrong and troubleshooting, I had no real clue what was going on. And so it takes the application uh, for, for all this doctrine. And so Paul starts out here, and that's what he's switching over to here in, in chapter 12. Uh, for the rest of the book, it's going to be about application, the how do you do these things. And this is a very pivotal point. This is... This is a, I don't know if y'all have ever heard of Dr. R.C. Sproul. I, I love that man. He was one of my uh, favorite theologians. But, but he had his radio station, and it was called Renewing Your Mind. And, and guess where he got that from? Uh, possibly Jeremiah, possibly Ezekiel uh, 36, but probably he got it from right here because that was the content of his, his radio show, and it was so wonderful. And, and, and so that has such importance to us about that. Uh, but we see here that Paul starts out, and he uses the word in the ESV as, I appeal to you, therefore. So because of everything that I said, I'm going to urge you to do something. I'm going to uh, beseech, is, is what the New King James or the King James says. But here in the ESV, he uses the word to appeal. That's like, you know, you go to, a, to, a, to, to see a doctor, and, and he says, you know, your lungs are looking pretty bad. How long have you smoked? And the guy says, I don't know, year, 10 years, 20 years, whatever it might be, that doesn't matter. But the doctor is then going to appeal to them out of, one, because they should for health reasons, but probably also out of genuine care and concern for his fellow man. I appeal to you, I urge you, I beseech you, quit it. You know, and so Paul here is saying, I appeal to you for everything that I've said up to this point. Brothers, he's talking about those in Christ. He's not talking about those outside the uh, Christianity. He's talking about those in Christ. He's by the mercies of God. This is the means of which he's trying to do that. And, and, and so these mercies are great. They're for everyone. We've, we've all received them. Both, both believers and unbelievers get mercy. The fact that we weren't killed last night for our thoughts of yesterday, you know, that's the mercy of God. I don't know if y'all have heard of Vody Bauckham, but I listened to a particular passage that he preached at a conference one time. And in it, people kept asking him questions. And I just listened to about this six-minute snippet. That's enough to just ground me, to make me think that I'm not too much more than I ought to be. And, and, and I listen to this, and, and if you look it up on YouTube, it, it's, it's under, uh, why do bad things happen to good people, Vody Bauckham. And he says he's on these, these campuses all the time, and he's talking about philosophy, and people will come up, and they uh, start asking him different questions. And then, and then so it gets down to the point where he says to the student, I won't answer you until you ask me the question properly. And then, of course, the student gets offended because he's like, well, that's my question. What do you mean? 
you know, and and then he says, until you ask it properly, how did an all-powerful, loving God, knowing what I did yesterday, not kill me in my sleep last night? When you ask the question that way, it puts things in perspective of where we're at. Well, Paul's putting things in, in perspective, and he's talking about these mercies of God. We're all enjoying them right now. Our hearts are beating. We're breathing in air. Uh, there's just too many to list. The, these just general mercies. And everyone enjoys these. Most everyone enjoys these. And then he goes on to, to present your bodies. Now, now and, and you see here, whenever he talks about presenting your bodies... As a living sacrifice, he, he's talking about something that should bring back Old Testament stuff, right? So you remember Moses, whenever he's doing this, he's commanding the people to do it, right? Paul is a fellow brother. He's appealing to us. He's urging us. He's beseeching us. He's saying, come on. But then he goes back and he used that thought of a living sacrifice. You remember in the Old Testament, in, in order to have um, the one that they did continually was the burnt offering. And so they would bring that often, and whenever they would bring it, it would have to be something that was once alive, you know, and when it was grain, it had natural living fibers in it, and, and an animal was once alive. And, and what were those things? They were clean. They were, they were unblemished. And so, and so now we have a situation where Paul is saying, you're now the sacrifice. But see, there's a difference because they were slain and we're not. We're a living sacrifice. We continue to live. And, and he says that uh, so when we present our bodies, and, and so whenever he talks about presenting our bodies, he, you know, how do you do that as a living sacrifice? Uh, holy. Uh, what is the holy part? To be separated from, right? To, be, to stand out against all the others is what we're to look like. And acceptable to God. So, so what is acceptable to God is whenever you're in His will and you're following His word. To the best of your ability, we all have flaws, or, uh, some more than others. And, but, but we're walking in faith and we're trying our best. And, and when we have issues, we always know that we have immediate reprieve we go straight to the lord first john tells us if we ask for forgiveness he's righteous and just to do just that at that very moment and then if you have some sins that you're not sure about it you know psalm 139 we can go to the lord you know verse 23 and ask the holy spirit to search me and know all my ways make it known to me so that i can then purge myself of all these Sins that I have in me that I may not even be thinking about or things that, that, that have snuck up that I, I don't realize. The last thing any of us want to do is to be in presumptuous sin. Uh, Psalms 19.13 says that those sins are, are worse than others. So some people that may think that all sin is sin and it's all the same level. No, presumptuous sin is worse. There is a ranking. And presumptuous sin is that premeditated sin. It's the one that you, you know you're going to do it. And the reason why you know you're going to do it is because you know that God is forgiving, so therefore you're, you're going to do it because you know that God's going to forgive you. That's not the right way to go about it. As a matter of fact, that's the absolute wrongest way to go, to go about it because it's presumptuous sin. And, and David writes there, he says, Lord, don't let me do that. 
And I would, I would beseech you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that don't do that. And then pray for me that I don't do that. And, and then when we're around one another, we can help lift each other up and, and, uh, and bring that about. He goes on to say that, that these things being a living sacrifice, uh, to be holy and acceptable to God, this is your spiritual worship. So, so what's he talking about here? You're just now talking about my body. And then now you're talking about my, my spiritual work. So what, it's all of it, right? Uh, we're more than just a single part being. Uh, some people want to argue this. It, it doesn't really matter to me whether you think we're bipart or tripart. It, it's, just, it's just not that big of a deal. I, I, I know that there's at least two. Uh, uh, there's, there's the flesh and then there's the spirit. Um, but we find other passages that say your mind, heart, strength. And so or does that mean there are six now? You know, uh, I don't know. You know, all I know is that 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 when we die, our fleshly bodies goes into the ground and our spirit is to be with Christ. Right. And, and so that's at least two. So so if we stick with that, we're good. You know, we have our our mind and our reason. And, and here he says, this is your spiritual worship. So, so what are y'all doing right now? You're presenting yourselves as a living sacrifice because you're bringing yourselves to church to learn about the Word of God, to hear the teaching in Sunday school, and to be part of fellowship that He in general calls us to be a part of, and, and then to be part of a worship service so that we can be together and worship the Lord both in song and hearing of the Word. So, so we're doing that now. And so this is just the, the touching point. And that's just the first verse. And then so whenever you wonder, you know, he, he goes back and the first verse looks a whole lot like the rest of it is doctrinal stuff. So then the question is answered that isn't asked in the text in verse 2. How do we do that? So then he tells us, well, the way to do that is to not be conformed to this world. And so what is talking about there in world is the age, right? The age that we're in. And, and, and so that we have to be transformed. And so this conformed thing, so a lot of people get really nervous about this, and, and I want to hopefully help you out, that the transformation or the confirmation, being, being do not be conformed to this world. We know that Satan is the prince of this world, and oftentimes the, the unbelievers are, are called the children of this world. And so... Now, does that mean we can't be anything like unbelievers? No, uh, because they sleep. Does that mean that we can't sleep because unbelievers sleep? No, that, that doesn't make sense. Uh, what about uh, they eat? Well, we're going to eat later on today. And so, uh, so that, that's not it. What it's talking about is, is you don't be conformed. I'm not sure if that's right English. But I'm taking English now, so it's, I'll work on it. Uh, so you're not to be conformed. Um, in the ways that, remember, he's talking to the Roman Christians here. And so there's a lot of, uh, think about New York City and Dallas and Houston and nothing wrong with those places, just saying. Uh, there's a lot of uh, selfishness maybe there, a lot of people trying to get ahead. Uh, maybe I should have said Wall Street. Uh, you know, a lot of people trying to get ahead. It's, it's all about myself. Uh, Self-centered thinking. Uh, one, and it's not bad to try to, to better oneself. I don't want you to hear that. Uh, we should do that for the glories of Christ. I mean, if you think about it, whenever uh, there's farmers here and there, and, and, and some of them will come up with a new species, or of a, not a new species, but a, a new 
uh, offshoot of a pig that like puts on weight better than the other ones because he's crossed it and taken 50 years. And the correct way to, to be transformed would be to say, to give glory to God for that. Uh, thank you to the Lord that, that now we have a, 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 a way to, to make a better animal, to feed more people so that I could be in more service. The improper way would be to say, it's because I'm smart. Uh, if it wasn't for me, who knows how long it would have took all of America to figure out how to make a, a pig that could feed more people with one pig. So there's a difference of people there. He's telling us to not be conformed to that. We don't want to be enveloped and have that consume us. Now, that's hard. That's why it's a daily thing we have to do. Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 9, I believe verse 23, uh, to take up the cross you know, once a week. No, he says daily. We're to take it up daily because once a week's not enough. We know plenty of brothers and sisters that, that go to church on Sundays and then the Bible stays shut and their minds stay closed about the things of Scripture and the things of God until the next Sunday. And the reason why we know that is because as Christians that are in the Word daily, it's like a big blinking light whenever we talk to them about the Word. Uh, they'll bring things up. And uh, just, you know, this week, uh, I've had a, someone I knew lost a child. And, that, and that's a bad thing. I, I would never dream of that. And then the way that they were comforted was by other people on Facebook talking about a redbird. Anyone ever heard this? This is crazy to me. That your loved one, now there's three ideas about the redbird if you Google it. One is that the redbird is a messenger of the Lord, an angel, an angel informed to come give you comfort. One of them is that it, it is your deceased being that is in that redbird to bring you comfort. And the other one is worst of all, that it's actually Jesus coming to give you comfort. And this is someone that goes to a church around here uh, and they believe it. So what's that tell me? They, they don't spend a lot of time here. Uh, they spend a lot of time in other places. About, I mean, that would be pretty cool if it was true. You know, you see a red bird, you're like, hey, that could either be grandma, Jesus, or an angel. You know, that would be kind of cool. Unfortunately, I don't find anything in here about that. It's not true. Actually, we find completely different stuff, opposite stuff about that. And so we see that all the time. Now, that's a glaring one, right? But we see it all the time. If, if you spend time in the Word and you spend time around others, and if your life is revolving around the Word of the Lord and your fellowship with your, your, your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ here, it's going to come up. I don't care what you're talking about. I mean, uh, I'd take my little girl to the grocery store. We come out. There's a guy with, you know, uh, scrap metal in the back of his truck. And before we get done, uh, I, my little girl's like, you got one of them $10 million bills? And I, yeah, I do. And so we go over there. We start talking to him. I tell him we got some scrap metal he can have. People always ask, you know, what do you do? And so uh, when I say I'm a pastor, that's kind of like my free, free pass, right? I, I get to immediately, well, how much would I have to hate you to not tell you, you know, about Jesus Christ? So we get to talk to him, and, and, and he started just firing. Let me ask you this, preacher. 
And he starts firing off the, these questions after questions after questions. Good questions. You know, what do you think the Bible talks about when it says this? What do you think it talks about when it says it? His first one was uh, uh, he was going to a church where it had female pastors. And he says, for some reason, that don't seem right to me. And I said, well, as a matter of fact, we see in 1 Timothy 3, you know, it gives the qualifications of a pastor. And every one of those pronouns and all the different words in there are he and himself and, and him and husband of one wife. It can't be translated spouse of one spouse, which is what a lot of folks try to make it today. I was like, but at the same time, it's not showing any disregard to ladies or women at all. It's just who God meant to preach at the pulpit. And uh, he was standing there. He said, I knew it. And, uh, and then he asked some more questions. And they were really good questions. So I knew this man was looking in, his, in the Word. He was going to his church. He was hearing some weird things. And when he got home, he was being like the Bereans. He was checking it out, right? And he was like, hey, I got some questions. And the problem was, is whenever he went to his leadership in the church and he proposed those questions, he said, that's outdated. Uh, you need to get with the culture of the day. Well, this guy was like 75 or 80 years old. He's like, I know what dated means. And, and so we just had a really good conversation, but we, we get to witness. But uh, to continue on, uh, so we don't want to be conformed to this world and we want to help our brothers and sisters that seem like they might be going that way. We want to encourage them. Uh, there's a wonderful idea. and Pull out the Bible and ask them, will you read it with me? Reason through the Scriptures. You might be surprised that there's some folks that claim they're Christians that are actually false converts. And maybe by you reasoning through the Scriptures with them just a little while, see, God's Word does its work, right? Then we just reason a little bit. They'll come to faith in Christ. We'll find out just how piercing God's word is. Because it is. I spent a lot of my life from like 1979 or 80. Living however I wanted to live. Never went to church. But from 1979, 1980, that's somewhere where I thought I received Christ. Because I walked the aisle. Because I didn't want to die in the fire. Because that's what the guy said. He said, who don't want to die in the fire? I, I practically ran up front. And everybody was just all, you know, how wonderful. I, he didn't ask me to explain what the gospel was. He didn't ask, you know, none of that stuff. It was like, sign right here. Here's your little Gideon Bible. This is the day you're saved. And, and you know what? I wasn't. Come 2009... All of a sudden, I'm talking to my wife and on the way home from a job, and I just started crying out to the Lord. Something just hit me so hard, just a burden I'd never felt in my life. I didn't say a sinner's prayer. I said, God, help. That's a pretty succinct sinner's prayer right there. Whenever you ever get into this position and you don't know what to say, one, be comforted that you have the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ himself. Uh advocating on your behalf the the holy spirit is also groaning when you don't know what to say and, and then if you just feel like you gotta say something god help that works i mean it works wonders it can bring clarity because what that's done is removed everything from you and you're saying i can't do it 
you have to. And so I came home. <laughs> I thought I was already saved in 79, right? And so I came home, and I thought this was my call to the ministry. Threw my briefcase down. I was very immature at this time, all right? Uh, I, I'm immature, 37. And so I, I threw my briefcase down, and I told my wife, I was like, well, this is great. I've been called to the mission, uh, missions field, and I'm probably going to get sent to Africa and get killed by lions. Hopefully, you'll get money from it. And she's like, what are you talking I'm serious, that happened. And, uh, and so she's what are you talking about? And, uh, and so I talked her through it. We talked to her about what was going on. And it wasn't until a little bit later, you know, studying the Word in a different way that I'd ever done in my life. And I start asking questions and then looking at it in the text. And then I call her again. I'm working one day and I say, uh, you remember in February when I thought I was called to the ministry? She said, yeah. I said, that's when I was saved. Andy called me to the ministry, but that's whenever I was saved because the Chad before was not good. Not that I'm good now, but the Chad after had a heart that wasn't of stone and had a mind that was of Christ. And that was what my concern was, and it's what it's continued to be since February of 2009. That's why you know what it took, right? You stay just excited about God's Word the the day that you learned about it and His salvation and what He's done for us on the cross, and you continue to stay that way. And you see the, the wonderful measures and the, the beautiful mercy, and you appreciate the grace. And you look through the Scripture, and you're like, well, I've read that a hundred times. And then every time you read it, you got 10, 15 more times you add to the clock, and you're like, well, I've never seen that before. I know it's not just me alone because you just shook your head, so... Now, everybody knows that, right? You're, you'll be reading through something, and you're like, I didn't see that before. What amazing clarity the Lord gives you on what you need when you're going through it each time. And that's from the renewal of your mind. And the way that, that the very first way that ever takes place is the hearing of the gospel and the repenting of sins. And then the renewal of your mind starts. And it changes everything about you. And then he says that it, by testing, anybody in here been tested? You feel like that your walk has just been cake? Or have other people been tested, right? We've all been tested. Uh, either, either hard jobs or loss of loved ones or, or uh, maybe you've stranded a little bit from your walk and, and you have to get reined back in by someone else or financial issues. Who knows what they are? Uh, and, and then sometimes we try to justify them by saying, well, at least we're not over there where they're getting, you know, beheaded and stuff. Uh, well, our walk is our walk and our test is our test. And, and, and so don't compare it to that. You know, I used to worry, worry myself to death over that so much. I, I know that I'm a weak man. I know that I need strength from the Lord and I can't get it from anywhere else. So my thought was always, if they had my children, my babies, the ones, my gifts from God, would I renounce my belief in Christ? That worried me to no end. And then it just so happened I was preaching through the book of Luke. And he tells us, when times of trouble come and you don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit will be your mouthpiece. 
I finished that sermon that day. I went home and I was like, well, I feel good now. I don't need to worry about what I'm going to say. The Holy Spirit's going to do that work. So that's part of the renewing of our minds. We repent. We become something different. We go through this testing and we understand what is the will of God. You know, I can tell you right now that at this very moment, this, this is how a lot of people make a lot about the will of God, thinking it's some kind of a crossword puzzle or, or, a, or a, a secret code to a bank vault so that you can finally see what it is. Do right. Be holy. Every one of you that are in church today, I can confidently say that if, you've, if you're listening to the Word, if, if, if you're applying the truths to God's Word in your life, you're in God's will. You know, sometimes we'll, we'll hear of some college students, they're like, I don't know what God's will is. Do I go to this school or that school? And then if you'll look at the two schools, they're nearly identical. The teaching and the scholarship is going to be similar. Uh, there will be no lifestyle change. You've got a wonderful church at this place. You've got a wonderful church at this place. And then just beat themselves up over, I don't know what the will of God is. I just want to grab them and say, flip a coin. Go to that one. That'll be the will of God. Go there. Get involved in your church. And then, and then do everything you can so that you'll be pleasing to Him and acceptable. So hopefully you saw, you know, the, the title of the sermon is Renewing Your Mind for Unity, uh, for, for Worship, for Unity, and for Service. And so, so there you see uh, what the spiritual worship and, and the uh, renewing of your mind so that we can... We can do that. You, you can't really be in service, and, or you can't really worship unless you're, you're constantly renewing your mind. It, it's, a, it's like the, a false convert sitting in the pew that things just kind of go over their heads. They don't really understand what's going on. They ask the preacher at the end, and all they can remember is, uh, well, that guy didn't have his shirt tucked in. I heard nothing about the sermon. Uh, that's happened to me. Uh, sweat pouring off. I'm more convicted about my sermon, about my sin, than than probably anyone else in the congregation. Standing in the back, as what we do at the place where I'm at, and uh, you know, and oftentimes it's that way. And then to have someone come by and say, "Preacher, you'd look a lot sharper if you tucked in your shirt." Thank you very much. I'll take that into consideration. And then, you, but, but then you pray for them, right? We can't leave it at that. And maybe I would, maybe I wouldn't. But uh, this is a shirt that's not supposed to be tucked in, and I don't want to tuck it in. And I don't think that a tucked-in shirt or an untucked shirt is going to have much to do about God's will. Um, so anyway, uh, so we want to do what's good and acceptable and perfect. Now, is that possible? Can, can anyone in here do something perfect? Perfect? I mean, that's without flaw, right? I mean, by the very definition, is no error. Uh, we can't. But when God looks upon us, who does he see? Jesus Christ. And what has he done? He is perfect. He's done nothing wrong. And so because of that, we try to model ourselves after him. You know, Paul tells the Thessalonians, 
Be imitators of me, even as I imitate him. That was the whole point, right? And, and, and so we want to try to imitate our pastors and teachers and elders and deacons. We want to imitate them as we want so that we can then be a model for our children so that they imitate us. And it goes on and on and on uh, so that we learn more what is good and acceptable and perfect. Then he goes on to talk about these grace, these gifts, right? And, and I'm not going to go into each one specifically for, for a whole lot of detail. Uh, but we do see that Paul begins talking about uh, groups, right? Christianity is groups. And so the first topic is, is, is about these giftings. And, so, uh, uh, and there's other ones in other parts of the Bible. Uh, some of them deal with different items. These are kind of administrative gifts, I guess some folks would call them. But the word there is charisma. And so it, it's, uh, they're, they're charismatic gifts, but, but they're not the ones that you would typically think of as the supernatural uh, you know, speaking in tongues or, or uh, interpretation of tongues or the word of knowledge or any of those. Those are not the gifts he has here. Uh, but we do have, uh, remember I talked about worship, uh, and then next is unity. And, and then service. And so I, I get the unity from, uh, from this passage because there's diversity in the gifts, right? We're not all gifted the same way, but in unity, we must have diversity. Does that make sense? I mean, uh, we can't all be preachers or my time would have been up a few minutes ago and there would be a, just a line of y'all and we would be like, all right, you go now and then you go now and then you go now. And, and so that doesn't work. And so we have to have some that are able to preach and teach, uh, some that uh, care for the young, some that uh, do all, all sorts of things in the body of Christ. And there's other ways that, that folks, when you go to nursing homes and you care for the elderly, or, and, and there's just so many gifts that the Lord has given to each church. And they're specific, amazingly, for that church's needs. You'll find that in most churches... Uh, good Bible churches that that the needs are met by the people there. You, you rarely have to hire someone out to do the things around the church uh, that need to be done. You know, you don't have to say we're going to need someone that's really good with with going to the nursing home and visit one of our elderly because that's not my gift, right? You got someone here that can do that. You need some upkept maintenance around here as long as it's stuff that... You got someone here that's rather handy, probably. Uh, you got some folks that are good with a grill. I know that for a fact. And you got some women that can cook outstanding. And, and I know that also for a fact. So, so, but, but there's more gifts than that. And, and he, we'll go into those in just a moment. Uh, but he says, for, the, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. Why do you think he brings that up? Right? You think, think maybe he's thinking about maybe the Corinthians issue? I'm better than you because I speak in tongues. I just want to let you know that, right? Paul spends uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 trying to clear that mess up. Uh, where they get a little prideful. My gift is a little better than your gift, you know? Um, so I'm therefore more important. Well, that's not true. They're just used for different things. And so Paul don't want you to get think of too much of yourself. Well, what, what comes to mind when you think about that? Pride, right? Uh, that's, that's the biggest one. John talks about this pride of life, and the, it's destructive 
to us. And so he don't want us to think more about ourselves, more highly than we ought to think. And how high should we think of ourselves? I mean, not perfect, but man, I'm almost there. Would that be okay? I don't think so, right? That may be a little too high. Uh, but we also shouldn't just downgrade ourselves all the time either. I mean, we are in Christ. Uh, we have a, a reason to live more than most people on the planet if they don't know Christ. Well, not most. Of all the people that don't know Christ, we, we have more reason than any to, to have some pride in, in Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross. But we shouldn't just think of ourselves as lowly. I mean, how does God share the gospel? By human agents, right? Our voices, God uses our voices to share His message of salvation. Isn't that amazing? That we get to be the deliverers of that? That we get to walk with people through the Word and, and help them? I remember one time uh, we were planting a church over in uh, Streetman, and the first guy to come uh, was a little bit feminine, and he uh, he came in there after about four or five weeks, and he said, can I talk to you and Shanda? And I said, sure. And he said, I wanted you to know, I don't know what to do about this. I'm homosexual. I'm attracted to men, but I know it's a sin. And every time that I turn on the TV if a attractive man in comes I change the channel and on the inside I'm smiling uh, because I'm like this is wonderful have I got good news for this guy whenever he is quiet so he, he stopped and but before he stopped he said you know and my family told me I'm going to hell and uh, so I said brother will you turn to me with the pat in a passage here he says yeah so we go to look at it and in that passage, it talks about those that are going to hell. And it says that those who practice, you know, fornication, immorality, drunkards, liars, thieves. And, and it says those who practice homosexuality. Do you think that Paul put that there for a reason? Do you think that the, the wording was there? I think so. If you know it's a sin, uh, and it's just like a drunk, right? Uh, if, if you're an alcoholic, but you stop drinking... You, you don't go back and drink again. That would be presumptuous of you, right? If you go back and get drunk again, because that's all the alcoholic wants to do. Truly. And, and then you have the same thing with homosexuality. You, I know it's a sin. I'm not going to do it. Wasn't well, that repentance? It sounds like it to me. And so he just his eyes lit up, and he was like, so are you telling me that God will... Let me in heaven? I was like, I can't see your heart. Only God can judge that ultimately. All I'm saying is, is that the sin that you just said, you're not living it, you're not doing it, you know it's a sin. It, it's, uh, you can't make yourself like women like you say that you want to, uh, but you're learning the word. You're I don't see why not. I see a great change in you. He started bawling. He was so happy. He gave us hugs. And he's like, I've never heard anything more incredible in my life. And so I'm like, brother, you just got to read the word. The answers are there. Uh, the principles are there. Now, you know, for children, when they, the mom and dad are like, you got to make your bed. 
And the children are like, well, that's not in the Bible. But you know what is in the Bible? Obey your parents. And it'll go well with you. It's, it's got a promise, right? And, and so, uh, so there are principles there that go along these lines of, of what the big things that are taught. Uh, so, so Paul doesn't want us to be, uh, to, be, to be prideful. He wants us to be uh, more unified. And he talks about this measure of faith that God has assigned. And everyone's given a little bit different measure of faith, right? And everyone has a little bit different gifting, even if their giftings are the same. Uh, I would imagine that, that uh, from what I've seen from Brother Jason when I watch the YouTube videos, uh, we don't preach anything alike. I prefer his preaching, but I'm not very good at that style. Uh, I really like that technical stuff. I mean, I really do. I read all those commentaries, but whenever I preach, it, you know, it comes out like this. So I'm sorry, but <laughs> uh, but I have that in there. It just, but it comes out this way, and, and so uh, so we're both gifted in those areas, but we're not the same. They have a a measure to each a certain way. We heard. We heard brother and sister up here singing music. Their voices don't sound the same. They're gifted in different ways and, and different talents and skills. And beautiful, by the way. Uh, and and I, I love those songs, you know. Come Thou Founts, one of my favorite songs in the world. And, and then uh, Man of Sorrows, uh, I listen to that probably by Indelible Grace as often as I can. And, uh, but it, it hits you, you know. You can't just be all giddy all the time listening to that you know it, it kind of helps you out who we are and what christ went through um but so so our, our gifts are are uh, for the body it's it's not for for ourselves to to be prideful and and so we have many members you you have many members in your church as paul says we're in one body we have many members and the members do not all have the same function so we though many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. And so we don't belong to ourselves even, right? Uh, we belong to each other uh, when we fellowship to lift one another up. Uh, we, we have those gifts to help bring someone out of the trenches when they're feeling pain and the loss of a loved one. Well, if you've lost a loved one, it's probably time for you to step up and say, you know, I don't like to rethink about that, but I've been through it. I made it. You're going to make it too. Here's my number. I don't care what time it is. Call me if you need to talk. I like coffee. I like water. Really like porterhouse. You know, you always want to put that in there uh, just in case uh, they're good cooks and so uh, but, but you always want to put yourself out there. The idea uh, of being unity is that we belong together and we all serve in a different way. Uh, you got some folks uh, back at the church whenever I was in Keller, uh, one of my best friends is the senior pastor. Uh, you don't want him touching any tool known to man. Uh, wonderful expositor of the word, uh, likes farming and stuff like that, but... But if he messes something up on the tractor and he goes to grab a wrench, it's going to be kind of like Tim the Toolman Taylor. More things are going to be wrong when he finishes. That's not his skill set. And so, so you've got to go out there and help if that is your skill set. And, and that's the way we all need to be to one another. And, and the key here, whenever we're getting down to the latter part of it about service, it's not um, 
the pastor needs to come to you and say, will you do? Uh, Y'all should all be coming to the pastor and saying, what can I do? What else is necessary? Who vacuums? Can I, uh, who can't vacuum, right? Uh, can I come help in that way? Who empties waste baskets? I can do that. You know, those are pretty low-skilled things. Uh, who dusts off the chair rail? Who dusts off the... All those things can be done by anyone and everyone, and everyone should be doing them. Service. You know, it's the part of the renewing our minds. We, we've, we've, we're learning how to worship in a right manner. Uh, we're learning that we're part of this unified body of Christ. Although very diverse, we serve a unified purpose in our local church. And that we need to serve one another. Because after all, who is the greatest servant of all? If you like the Gospels, look at Mark. It talks about Jesus Christ as being a servant. The King of kings and the Lord of lords washing feet? i got to say, I might have been like Peter. And then I might have been like Peter again, because then he realized, oh, that's what you meant. Dump it all over, right? Who wouldn't have done the same? We often say of Peter, what a big mouth, keep your mouth shut. What are you talking about, man? You're speaking out of turn. But then who of us would not have done the same thing? I know some of us, if you've done the Facebook thing to see which apostle you would be, <laughs> not everyone gets Peter. Hopefully no one gets Judas. But uh, I, I feel like a, a lot of times I'll, I tend to look like Peter. A little louder when I need to be quieter. Not loud enough about who I believe Christ is when I should be louder. Uh, let a big burly guy be in line. I, I might be all planning on sharing Christ with the next person who steps in front of me. I'm at the checkout stand at Home Depot and I find myself doing this. Kind of like he did around the fire, right? Looking around, who's going to ask me about if I'm a Galilean or not? And so I'm looking, because I want to witness to the cashier, right? But I don't want to do it with anybody else seeing. And here comes a big old biker dude with, you know, tattoos everywhere and I chicken out. That's bad, you know? And I get out in the parking lot, and as I'm walking out the park, this is a true story, uh, walking out the parking lot, and I'm like, ah, oh, I blew it. I got scared. Why did I do that? What's, he gonna, what's the worst he could do? Punch me in the face? Uh, I've been hit, you know? <laughs> Big deal. I, I should have done it. So I get out there, and I'm loading up my stuff, and I see a lady. She's having real issues putting some stuff in the back of her pickup truck. And then I notice she's got something on the back of her vehicle about Harley Davidson's as I'm helping her out. And so my plan to tell her about the gospel wound up being talking about Harley-Davidson Sportsters and Ultra Glides and different things like that. I get in the car and I'm down again. I'm like, I cannot believe it. Uh, once again, I've let down Christ. I, I'm not doing what I set out to do. And I made a promise. I said, Lord, I don't care who the next person you put in front of me is. I'm sharing Christ. I come around, <laughs> I come around Home Depot there's the Michaels there that's been shut down. And out from the side comes running this guy without a shirt on. He's got on overalls, uh, and, uh, and he's got tattoos all over him. And he comes up, and I'm like, ooh. So I got to die today. <laughs> and uh, I roll down the window, 
He's got the teardrops down there, you know, that either mean you've been to prison or maybe you have murdered someone. And, and uh, So I'm a little nervous, but I'm, I'm feeling pretty strong. I'm like, you know, I don't care. I said, I'm promising. I'm not going to break that promise. I said, hey, how can I help you? He said, well, me and some friends are broke down over there by the dumpster and the car won't start. You think you could jump us off? And I was like, yep, I'm dying today. <laughs> so I said, sure. And uh, you want to get in? <laughs> Add on. And so... Uh, he gets in, we drive over there. Pretty scary looking folks. The other guy's way bigger than him, looks a lot gnarlier than him. Uh, two ladies in the pickup truck, and they got all the scrap metal. I know a second, it's a scrap metal theme. And so, uh, and so I'm sitting there and I said, you know, I have a, an old cooking uh, grill that's got stainless steel on, is that worth anything? And in my mind, I'm going, you're inviting these people to your house where your family lives but i hadn't shared the gospel yet so i said you know what i, I got some scrap y'all can have follow me to my house they follow me to my house i call my wife on the way she goes you what and i said that's all right it's, it's gonna be okay and so uh i get there and i look at them and i said y'all know why i did that and they said oh you're a cool dude man i was like nope i'm not i'm pretty horrible but I'm saved. Do y'all know what that means? I was like, man, I'm saved from eternal da damnation. I'm saved from this forever fire pit that I deserve. And I get to go to heaven and be with God. I get to be with Christ. I get to be with in this eternal act of worship. And that's why I do, did what I did. That's why I helped you. Because the old Chad wouldn't care. Heck, the new Chad messed up twice before I saw you. So then I told him, I was like, so have you heard that Jesus is love? He said, of course. Yeah, I'm saved. I was like, well, have you heard this? I was like, that's not the gospel. And he goes, really? I said, no, it's not. Um, the gospel is contained in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verses 3 and 4. Paul calls it of first importance. And he talks about that Jesus came... And he died on the cross, was buried in the tomb, and then rose on the third day. Then he goes on and gives us some more really cool evidence about who he appeared in front of and talks more about the resurrection. But I was like, but that right there is your basic gospel. Death, burial, and resurrection, you don't include that. You, you've missed it. And then I went on to expand it a little bit, and, and the guy was blown away. The two girls in the seat, one of them had track marks on her arms, and she was in tears. Now, I don't know if anyone came to Christ that day, but I know that I shared Christ that day. And just tell them my story. You know, a lot of people want to call that it. And then just invite them to church. That's not the gospel either. And if you're here today for the first time, or if you don't know Christ, then, then there's a responsibility on, on me to tell you that in order to be saved, you must repent of your sins and believe fully and say it with your mouth and believe it in your heart. That Jesus did die on the cross. That he came as a, a perfect sinless man. Was born out of a virgin. And, and, and he went to the cross and he died for our sins. And then he went to the tomb. And then three days later he rose from the grave. And then he ascended to heaven while he's still preparing a place for us. But we have a responsibility. And that responsibility is to be witnesses everywhere. He tells them in Acts chapter 1. You know, Jerusalem, Judea, uh, Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Well... Guess where we're at? We don't have our own Jerusalem and all that, although it's pretty cool to make that model. It would work, but we are the uttermost parts of the earth. 
because Paul did what he was supposed to do, because Peter did what he was supposed to do, because those original disciples did what they were supposed to do, and they went out and went out and went out and went out. That's the principle there. We're to be witnesses and go out from where we're at. If, if you're a single mom, then you're to stay at home and teach your children, teach your children about the Word of God. If you're the dad, and you're, then your job is to teach your family about the Word of God. And then you start, you got neighbors on either side of you. Somewhere you got a neighbor, even if they're 10 or 15 miles away. You got to go to that next neighbor closest to you and, and ask them. And it might be scary. They might be a big biker guy. It might be a meth lab. Who knows what it is? But your responsibility is to go to them and tell them the gospel. Now, if it is a meth lab, I would say please catch them at a grocery store or something. I don't want your health at risk, but uh, but you got to share the gospel. That that's not an option. These are not optional things. It's not like you know. Paul makes it sound like I'm urging you, like you have this ability to say, ah, I'm "Not going to do that one today." It's an urging about something that is not optional. So all these different gifts that we have, he lists a few, and I won't go very deep into those because, well, you can look them up, right? Just know that we, we're supposed to be in service. Our minds have been renewed. We're new bodies and new creatures in Christ so that we can serve one another, and we're all given different gifts. But he does mention some, uh, and these are according to the grace that's given to us. Um, uh, prophecy in proportion to our faith. Uh, do you tell people about the Word of God? I don't think anybody else today is getting new revelations from Scripture or from God or else we could add them to the Scripture, right? And say, hey, part two. Uh, that's why we know the Book of Mormon is wrong, right? It's, it's not volume two. There's no such thing. And plus, it's replete with errors. And so we have the perfect inerrant Word of God that says that this is it. And so that prophecy is not... A new prophecy coming from God. And you hear this from people all the time. God told me to tell you this or something. Anyone ever heard that? That's kind of scary. It's like, well, how did he do that? Was it like a big finger on the wall that Belshazzar saw back in Daniel? Uh, was it in a dream? Was it in... How did that come about? Or did you read something in Scripture and spot a flaw and a sin in my life and feel compelled to come share it? That one's a good one, right? I hope it's that one. So it says, but in proportion to our faith, we, uh, I get, you know, you, you don't want to be teaching a seminary class if you became a Christian yesterday. Uh, you know, uh, you need to be in proportion to where you're at. Um, uh, if service in serving, that one's pretty simple, right? Uh, if your gift is service, if that's where you feel the most love and care and, and adoration for the body of Christ, uh, then go serve. But see, this is also like evangelism. Uh, just because you may not be gifted as an evangelist doesn't mean that you're out of it. You have to. He says, you all will be my witnesses. In Matthew 28, go ye therefore and make disciples. Make disciples being the key part there. But we're all to do it. And so uh, then if you're to teach, then, then you need to be, you, you got to do that. You, you got to figure out a way to use your gifts. And the one who exhorts in his exhortation. This is Paul's exhortation right here, right? He's exhorting us. He's imploring us. He's urging us, beseeching us to do and be these things and to act this way. That's what this latter part of this book of Romans is all about. And then he goes on to talk about uh, the one who contrib contributes uh, in generosity. 
God don't want you to go to put your money in something and keep a hold of it. You let it go and you be cheerful about it. And then he goes on to talk about cheer as well. Um, anyone that does acts of mercy. You, you come up here and, and, and you do things in the acts of mercy. You shouldn't be uh, upset about it. You know, I volunteer to do that and then get here and gripe the whole time. It's, the word's not saying that. The word, we need to be cheerful about those things. Otherwise, don't volunteer to do it. You can't do it without cheerfulness. But then it says the one who leads with zeal. And, and so what you want in a church are those that help guide the church, your deacons and your, and your, your senior pastor and, and your elders. All those are your, are your leaders. And you need to, to trust them. But you don't do it blindly. They, they want you to read the Word and understand what they're talking about whenever they're, they're uh, studying and teaching and preaching. Uh, there's no one that wants anyone to follow uh, them blindly, uh, but we put our faith in them, and whenever they make these decisions, we're like, you know what, I know a lot of prayer and thought went into that. I'm backing it. That's a good idea. You know, whatever it might be. And so, uh, so but, but you want that, the Bible talks about this, uh, the leader with zeal, right? You, you know someone that has zeal, that has this fervor, this love for the Lord, and usually uh, leaders will find out from others that they ought to be leaders before they even know it themselves. And, and you'll hear stuff like, um, you ever teach? You ever preach? You ever disciple anybody? You, ever, you ought to, you know. And, and uh, now that doesn't get you out of it if you're not real good at it because you're supposed to do it anyway, right? Uh, go ye therefore and make disciples. So what you're going to want to do is find a better Paul to teach you a Timothy so that you can be a better Paul to someone else. And, uh, and it'll work out. Remember what I said earlier, God's Word is the one that does all the work, and uh, we're just to be vessels and agents for Him. Uh, I have no clue what time it is. Uh, I would just like to implore us as well to remember to be, uh, uh, that our minds are being renewed on a moment-by-moment basis sometimes. Uh, I don't know about anyone else in here, uh, but maybe... Maybe it's a really good time to get your mind back straight before Brother Doug comes and leads us in the uh, Lord's table. Amen.